0: Welcome to Activate Church Podcast, and thanks for listening. We hope this message helps you, and we pray that God speaks to you through this week's message. Pokemon Go! Did you know that before Pokemon said go, Jesus said go? (laughs) Yeah, I know. It's crazy, right? So Pokemon said go, but before they did, Jesus said go, and do you know who he said go to? He said go to 11 apostles. And apostles, they were people that were followers of Jesus. And I was just thinking, you know, it makes sense that if you were going to send people out to go, that you would send apostles. In fact, did you know that the word apostles, it actually means people that send, okay? So, so it makes sense that you would send apostles out. But did you know that before the apostles were apostles, that they were just regular folk? Did you know that? Did you know that before they were apostles, they were just ordinary, everyday, regular People, And these ordinary, everyday, regular people would be the kind of people that honestly you would miss if you just walked past them in the street. In fact, if you were down at the fish markets and you were watching uh, this, the, the, you know, people selling fish and all the rest of it, you heard this really loud man, like louder than all the others. And, and, and I kind of picture Peter this way, just laughing and loud and saying things that he wished that he didn't because he's got his foot in his mouth all the time. You might see Peter, but you wouldn't recognize him as an apostle. You would just say, why is that guy so loud? You know, you wouldn't recognize him as an apostle. In fact, if you were walking through the streets in Jesus' day, and you walked past uh, a—they had tax uh, booths. If you had a tax booth there and you saw Matthew, which was one of Jesus' disciples, and he was sitting in the tax booth, you wouldn't necessarily walk past it and say, there's an apostle right there. That's Matthew, the apostle. You you probably wouldn't have said that. In fact, you probably would have done something completely different. You would have just walked by completely past them, not paid any attention to them. You wouldn't have noticed them. But I've got to tell you that Jesus did. Jesus looked at these guys that looked like they were just ordinary, everyday people, just like everyone else. And he saw the seeds of something greater. And so he selected these guys. He prayed about it, and he selected these guys to be his disciples. And Jesus was good at attracting people that wanted to follow him. There was lots of people that wanted to follow Jesus and walk after Jesus. And so anyway, uh, Jesus one day is going for a walk and he's just going for a bit of a casual stroll, and there's all these people that are strolling alongside Jesus. And, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta be careful about taking a stroll with Jesus, because when you do, I just wanna let you know straight up, if you just take a little walk with Jesus, it's probably gonna end up costing you something. These guys weren't really aware of that, so they were walking with him. So I wanna read this scripture to you today. <clears throat> comes out of Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62. It says, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Doesn't that sound like a suck up? It's like, Jesus, I just want you to know that I would follow you wherever you go. All right. And Jesus said to him, you suck up. No, he didn't. He said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another, then Jesus said this. He said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Seems a little harsh, doesn't it? Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say farewell to those at my Home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus is not backwards or coming forwards, is he? He just sort of says it the way that that it is. I want to preach a message to you tonight the discipline you can't delegate. The discipline you can't delegate. Why don't we pray? God, tonight we pray for a moment where your word meets our hearts. And I pray that our hearts would be open and receptive to that moment, that thing that you want to say to us. God, for some of us tonight, we may very well leave this place and say, I need to change my life. And I pray necessarily, God, that that's not what everyone has to say when they leave, but that, God, that we'd be open to changing our lives and doing it different. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Apostles, incredible people apostles that send out people from their ministries apostles aren't found they're made did you know that apostles aren't found they're they're actually made and apostles are really just disciples that became apostles and disciples discipleship is something that's been happening for a long long time in fact there's a great story in the bible that talks about the prophet. Now a prophet was a person that spoke on behalf of God to people. So it's a prophet, and his, uh, prophet named Elijah, and the prophet Elijah is uh, taking another casual stroll down the road. And he runs into this guy called Elisha, who's actually plowing a field, and he's got some oxen, and he's just plowing that field and working that field. And the prophet Elisha comes, and he takes off his cloak, and he comes, and he puts it on the shoulders of Elisha and then he walks off. What a weird thing to do. Isn't that odd? Imagine if you're standing in your front yard. Someone just come and put a jacket on you and they looked at you and you're like, who are you? And then they just walked off. Is that not odd to you? Is that just strange to me? Maybe me. But this is what happened. He put this jacket on him and he walks, the prophet Elijah just walks off. So Elisha, seeing that Elijah is walking off, he runs after him and he says, I will follow you wherever you go. But if it's all right with you, could we first go back and just tell my mom and my dad that we are leaving because uh, they're not gonna know where I am and I don't want them to think that I was abducted or anything. So is it cool if we go back and tell my parents? And because Elijah is surprisingly in this situation a little more relaxed than Jesus was when somebody asked him more or less the same thing, He said, yeah, no problem. Let's go back and let's tell your parents that you're leaving So he says alright So they go back to the house And the, Elisha does the most amazing thing Because he was plowing the field He had these oxen And they would, they would use something To tie the oxen together So that they could plow the field And it was called a yoke And a yoke was built out of wood And other you know, bits and pieces And so what Elisha does Is he gets this, this uh, yoke And he breaks it up into pieces And out of the yoke He builds an altar Altars you set on fire And so he sets this altar on fire, which was previously his only source of employment. This is security, represents his security, his job, his employment. And he comes and he says, I'm so serious about following you, Elisha. I'm going to destroy my present security and put myself in a place where I will have no choice but to follow you. Isn't that pretty cool? And so he breaks it down and he builds the altar and then he gets the oxen and they kill the oxen and they have a sacrifice right there. And then they're all eating mom, dad, and Elijah and Elisha. They have all this food and they share this food together. And then he just goes off and he follows Elisha. I thought, how awesome is that? That he would be willing to sacrifice his security, his job, his employment. He burnt the plows. He burnt everything, making it impossible for him to just return the next day. He said, no, I'm fully committed to this because he wanted to be a disciple. Disciples follow people that they wanna be trained by. If I was gonna use a modern word for discipleship, because we don't use that word very often these days, if I was gonna use a modern word, I'd say train. And people, when they wanna get trained, really that means that they wanna get discipled. The word disciple, actually it means student or pupil or learner. And they just put themselves in a position where they can learn. And so Jesus, he is awesome at training and discipling people. And he chooses 12 people to be his disciples, like 12 key people to be his disciples. Now, 11 of them were pretty good. One guy they had a few issues with. I don't wanna say that Jesus made mistakes, but seriously, how close can you come? (laughs) Honestly, honestly. So he's got these 12 guys and they follow him because they wanna be like him. And so he begins to train them. Now, Jesus is the ultimate personal trainer. He knows exactly the kind of shape that he wants to whip you into. And he spends three years training these guys to be disciples so that they could be like him. Have you ever ever had a personal trainer? Just raise your hand for me tonight if you've had a personal trainer. A couple people saying, yeah. All right, do you know what that feels like? All right, I had a friend of mine, Jason, who decided that he was gonna uh, be a personal trainer. And he'd gone and he was studying at the course. And he said, Ben, would you, I need to train someone anyway. And he sold me all the benefits. You're gonna get fit. You're gonna be ripped, six pack, everything. It's like, uh, so far I'm really interested. And so I sign up for it. Now I'm convinced that his only goal and desire was to make me throw up. And I would tell you that he was successful very often. But he pushed me. Now, he told me all the benefits, but he didn't completely tell me about the cost that was attached to the benefits. He didn't tell me about the cost of being trained by him. I want to tell you right now, if you say to Jesus, pick me, he will. But you should know about the cost that's attached to following Jesus. You ought to know just straight up how Jesus trains people. See, discipleship isn't done in a classroom this, what's happening right now, this is not exactly discipleship. In fact, discipleship is more like an apprenticeship. Don't you think it's kind of cool that Jesus spent three years training people? It's about the same time as an apprenticeship. Jesus spends three years doing this apprenticeship with people so they can learn to be like him. And so he's Taken a stroll down the street one day, and he's surrounded by people. It's not just his disciples; it's more than his just his disciples. And these people say, uh, "Jesus, uh, w- I'm going to follow you. I'm gonna, I to. I'll never leave you. I'm going to follow you." And he says, huh, "Will you? Really?" He Says, "All right, let's sort this out. Let's sort. Let's sort some of you guys out tonight." He says, uh, "I want you to follow me. Just want to let you know that foxes have holes and." Birds of the air, they have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. In other words, what he's really saying is, is that what you're about to step into is not going to be comfortable. I cannot promise you a place to sleep tonight. This is definitely not going to be easy. In fact, if you, you say to me that you want to follow me, but I'm just letting you know that in following me, this is going to be the challenge of your life. I will not be paying you a cent like there's, there's, Really, you've got to know this, tonight, I don't know where we're going to end up. How do you feel about that? I reckon right then, there's a bunch of guys at the back. They said, come on, no one notices that we're even here. Let's get out of here, right? I reckon like a, a group of guys just just walked away right then, just dropped off. And that group got a little bit smaller. They're walking sort of a little bit further along, and the, and the next person, he, he says, hey, would you just let me... Uh, first go and, and bury my dad. It's been a really hard week. My, my dad, he died. And as you can imagine, my family's very sad. Uh, and it would be all right if we just went home and if we just buried him. And Jesus says, why don't you let the dead bury the dead? Oh, are you serious? Like, do you just read this stuff? Do you realize what he just said? Can I bury my father? Let the dead bury their dead. Oh, are you kidding me? This is serious stuff. He just said, not only did he just say no, he just said, all the family you think are living, I think they're dead. Are you kidding me? I mean, like how insulting can Jesus be? So I reckon there's a group of guys like that just said, this is not the guy we thought he was. I am out of here. Come on, guys, let's go. This guy, we're not sticking around for this guy. This, this guy's crazy. He won't even let me go back and bury my dad. You know, the funny thing is that people kept sort of asking Jesus if they could uh, do, do things, go back and, and, and do things. And Jesus, he had this way of continuing to just turn people away. He's so harsh in so many times and so many occasions. And I feel like the way that Jesus decided that he was going to sort people out is he was just going to ask them, are you willing to sacrifice I mean, I know that you say that you're wanting to follow me, but are you willing to just sacrifice uh, uh, your current lifestyle, your present life? You know, this, this third person, he says, listen, I really want to come with you, but if it's all right with you, my reception is down on my phone because we don't have them yet. So uh, is it cool if I go back and tell my mom that I have, in fact, have not been abducted or murdered because... I can't call her later, Jesus. Is it cool? I just want to go back, give mum a kiss. He says, you know what? If you put your hand to the plow and you turn back, he goes, you're not fit for the kingdom of heaven. Oh, this is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, meek and mild. Yeah, you all love him, but you know how he trains you? Do you know how strong he is, some of the things that he says? Are you willing to sacrifice your present security and all the things and and, and live that life, burn the plows, turn back, follow him, despite the fact that he's going to put you in uncomfortable situations on a regular basis? Are you prepared to keep following him when it gets really tough? See, step one to being a disciple of Jesus is, you guessed it, following Jesus. And it sounds easy, but I tell you right now, it's more difficult that it appears, step one, if you want to be Jesus' disciple, you've got to follow Jesus. So I get on my phone sometimes, I get invites uh, in face, on Facebook. You know, someone sends you a friend request. So sometimes I get a friend request from someone that I thought I was already friends with. I'm kind of confused because I'm like, I thought that we were already friends. And then I thought, you know what, they must have defriended me. I thought, I know what's happening. The Holy Spirit is convicting them of defriending me because who would defriend me, right? This is like, obviously they have issues. So, so anyway, I get another friend request. I'm like, all right, well, you wanna be friends again? Cause I'm a gracious pastor, I'm gonna accept it. So I say, yeah, all right, we'll be friends. So I accept it. And then uh, suddenly in my inbox, right after I accept their friend request, there's, a, there's like a message that tells me to check out their website. And I look at the website And I think, this is not healthy for my marriage. Uh, This is not the kind of website that I should go to. And I start looking at all the requests that come through and the kind of things that they're encouraging me to get involved in. And I think, this is nothing like the person that I know. This is not my friend. This is someone pretending to be my friend. They've ripped off their photo. They've created a fake profile and they've added me to be a friend. Now, my friend Jesus... My friend Jesus, he is always asking me to do stuff. But I think that so many people are friends with the fake profile. I think that so many people are friends because when they tell me what their life is like with Jesus, I'm like, your friend Jesus and my friend Jesus are nothing alike. My friend Jesus is always encouraging me to be generous and to forgive quickly and to sort issues out and not to gossip or, or, or bitch about people. It's like, that's what my friend Jesus is doing. But I meet people all the time and I look at their relationship with Jesus and I'm like, how come your Jesus never challenges you? They have the wrong Jesus. They've got a, a, a someone, a profile of someone that they think is Jesus, but it's not. My Jesus is always asking me to do stuff. And right in this passage that we're reading today, Jesus is about to ask these guys that are following him to do something for him. And he says, guys, I've got a project I'm gonna need. 84 people to do it they're like oh my gosh there's 84 of us here he's like i know i I counted tricked you honestly i counted that wasn't even the holy spirit i just i counted so he's got 12 disciples and another 72 other people which makes a total of 84 if you're any good at addition and so he's got these people yeah i know this is this is our role okay So he's got these 84 people, and he says, I've got a project for you, and I'm about to read you the project that he's going to give them. He says, after this, he appointed 72 others in addition to his disciples. So we're looking at 84. And he sent them on ahead of him, two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money, no knapsack, no sandals and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if the son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house eating and drinking whatever they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But, if, but whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its and streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this that the kingdom of God has come near to you. Essentially, this is what Jesus says. He says, Alright, you guys are with me? They're like, Yes. You want to follow me? Yes, awesome. Go. They're like, That's not how this works. We don't go. No, no, we said we're disciples. We're gonna follow you. You go and then and then we'll go after you. He says, No. I'm sending you out to prepare the way for where I'm about to go. So you guys go and then I'm gonna come afterwards. And they're like, this is not what we signed up for. In fact, we wanted to be trained by you. And I see Jesus is kind of like, he would say something cool like Yoda and say, begun, your training has. And they would look at him and say, oh my gosh, what have we signed up for? He says, I want you to go, just go out. You know, the the cool thing, Jesus is so good at doing this. He says, all right, guys, listen up. Here's the first thing I want you to do. I want you to pray because the harvest is plentiful, but the labor is a few. So he gets these guys in this prayer, excited prayer. Can you imagine it? 84 people, and he's like, let's have a prayer meeting. It would have gone something like this. Oh, God, we pray that someone would reach the people in that town. Lord, we know that they need to be reached. And God, we know that you love them and that you care about them. And Lord, we're just asking, would you send someone? Because God, we know better than anyone else that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Lord, we pray for laborers. Would you find some laborers? And when you find them, would you send them in Jesus' name? And everybody said, amen. And then they opened their eyes and Jesus says, awesome, go. They're like, what are you talking about? He said, well, didn't you just say that this was important? Jesus is looking at 84 people and he's saying, I found you. You asked, I found you, so go. And they're like, whoa, we prayed that you would send someone else. And Jesus is like, well, does it matter to you? Yes, well, in that case, go. And they're like, yeah, all right, all right, all right. So uh, where, where do you want us to go? Jesus is like, are you not listening? I said, go your way. Which way is that? It's, it's just your way. Just go your way w- wherever you go. Really? Yeah. Well, what if my way was I was going to the pub? Yeah, awesome. So go your way, and when you get there, just give them the message that I told you to give them. Oh, okay all right, Um, let's say if I was going to go my way, I was going to go to work. What about work? He's like, yeah, Well, when you go that way, um, just take the message that I give you and share that with them. They're like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Let's say I was going to a sporting club. Jesus is like, oh my gosh, what is wrong with you? Listen. I don't know how I can make it easy for you. You just go your way. Which way is that? Anywhere you go. And anywhere and everywhere you go, you just take this message and you share it with anyone that you come across that's willing to listen to you. They're like, all right, all right, all right, all right. What are we going to need? I'm going to feel like I'm ill-equipped for this. What am I going to need? Listen, you're not going to need anything. Take no sandals, no knapsack. Don't take any money. Like, seriously, you need nothing. You just need to go, Jesus, there is just one thing I feel like I need to clear up with you. Um, Don't get me wrong. I definitely want to step into ministry. I just want to be financially secure before I do it. So you say no money, but I feel like if I just had financial security, then I could have all the less worries in the world. I wouldn't have to worry about anything, and I could just really focus on ministry. Jesus is like, you don't need money to do ministry. You don't need to be financially secure. All right, well, say somebody asks me a question uh, about you and this message, and I don't have the answer. Listen. Just don't worry about that. I just want you to go. You don't need to study. You don't need to go to Bible college. You don't need to be a pastor. You don't need to be an apostle. You don't need any of that stuff. You don't need to be financially secure. You don't need to set up your life first. Would you just step out and go, and wherever you go, I want you to take this message, this life-giving message that brings peace to people that need a relationship with God. Would you just take that message to Him? You don't need anything, and just go your way. They're like, all right, yep, I'm, I'm with you. I, don't get me wrong, Jesus, I hear what you're saying. Jesus is like, oh, and by the way, uh, listen, one more thing, don't get distracted when you go. Now I'll tell you a true story. So I have three children and my two oldest boys named Judah and Isaac. Friday night, I'm getting them ready for bed. And they're changed into their pajamas, which are Hulk onesies and Iron Man onesies. They look really cool and they're ready for bed. And I look at them and I say, all right, boys, uh, it's time to brush your teeth. I want you to follow me and we're gonna go down to the bathroom and and brush your teeth, all right? They're like, yeah. I'm like, cool. So I go down there and I walk into the bathroom and I turn around and I've lost them. The hallway is like 12 feet and there is absolutely nothing in it. Like there's nothing in it. There's, 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 There's no furniture, there's no nothing. We walked 12 feet and I lost my children. I said, what? what happened to them? So I went back to where I thought they were in the bedroom and I found them. They're out in the living room and they're playing with toys. And I said, what are you guys doing out here? Like, seriously, didn't we just say that we were going to brush our teeth? They're like, yeah, we got distracted. I'm like, you got distracted over 12 feet? But you know, I reckon like people, just generally, if you're an adult, you're so susceptible to the same thing. You're so susceptible to being distracted. It's like you have one thing that God's asked you to do. And you can fill up your life with so much stuff that you get distracted doing all the other things instead of the one thing that Jesus has actually asked you to do. So they say to Jesus, all right, what do we say when we get there? And he says, look, keep it really, really simple. When you get to somebody's house and you don't know them, this is the message I want you to bring. You open with this, peace. So that, we just say peace be to this house, yeah why because when you bring this message you should bring it with an attitude of peace we're not trying to convert people and make people anything it's like you just let them know that the spirit with which you bring this message is one of peace so when you get there you say peace now if they're cool and they invite you to stay for dinner you stay for dinner all right now if they're not cool you're not gonna have to worry about that because they will probably kick you out all right so if They're cool people. We're going to stay for dinner. And if they're not cool people, we're going to leave. Yes. I mean, seriously, I'm reading this. I think this is so simple. If they don't accept us, what should we do? Well, if you bring this awesome, inclusive, loving, gracious message with an attitude of peace, and they don't want to hear it, just, just let them know that the kingdom of God has come near. In other words, listen, it's cool that you don't want to hear this right now but I just want you to know that Jesus loves you so much. You just, you just need to know that God has tried to approach you, I mean, through me, but God has drawn near to you today, and if they don't want that, then you just move on and go. Now, Jesus spends three years training these guys, and then he dies. He gets sacrificed, and he's nailed to the cross. Now, I think that the last words that anyone says are very important. Would you agree with me? All right, so here's the last words of Jesus before he ascends and goes up into heaven he gets the 11 remaining disciples, and he says to them, or apostles, and he says to them, right, I want you to go and make disciples. We call that in church, especially if you're new, you don't come to church very often, we call that the Great Commission. And the reason we call it the Great Commission is because we believe that that one thing that I just said is the one thing that every Christian Every follower of Jesus is called to do that one thing. That's why we call it the Great Commission, because it extends to every single person. Jesus had one plan. Disciples. That was it. That was his one plan. I'm going to train disciples, and these people are going to carry this message. So after Jesus ascends into heaven... He gets up there, and the angels come and grab him. And they say, Jesus, it is so good to have you back. He's like, man, it is so good to be back here. Because I'm going to be honest, it was pretty average down there for a little while. They're like, yeah, we saw that. And uh, things, you know, but, but anyway, how did you go? He's like, yeah, I did pretty good, actually. So did you do it? Did I do what? Did you, uh, did you reconcile the world to yourself? to the Father, did you, did you do it? He says, yeah, well, I did my part. They're like, what do you mean you did your part? He said, well, I did what I needed to do, but then I left the rest of the plan in the hands of the disciples. The angels are like, you did what? Yeah, I left the rest of the plan in the hands of my disciples. They're like, "Are you have you met these people? These humans, do you know what they're capable of? Jesus is like, Look, look, look. I spent three years training these guys. Trust me, you can trust them. They're like, All right, so you back these guys. Yeah, I back them. They're my disciples. I back them. Meanwhile, on earth, it says that when Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples were just standing there, just looking. And it actually wasn't until the angels came down and they said, what are you guys looking for? They're like, where'd he go? I it's like, you kidding me? These are the hands? You left it in these hands? Peter's still looking. Where'd he go? Peter's like, guys, what do you think by that whole go thing? What do you think he meant by that? They're like, I just wish he was a little clearer about that message. Do you think he really meant that our job was to go and make disciples yeah did he say jerusalem judea to the ends of the earth yeah he said that all right well how many of you guys speak parthian well i don't speak parthian do you peter's like we all know i don't talk another language right so they're like okay all right he's like what do any of you speak mead no i don't speak mead well how how are we going to do this right after that the holy spirit comes Holy Spirit comes upon Peter, and Peter has this outrageous preaching day where he stands up about 50 days after Jesus was crucified. Holy Spirit fills him. He begins to speak in other languages supernaturally. It's incredible. It says that on that day, 3,000 people got added to the church. On that day, that's like revival, just like breaking out all over the place. It's like awesome. I think that that's incredible. And if you add the women and children, because I'm sorry— Ladies, but they didn't count women, right? But if you added that, you've got about eight thousand people. So they have this outrageous meeting. Eight thousand people get saved and give their lives to Jesus. They have the meeting, but now what happens? Well, now there needs to be some kind of process to follow them up. How they're going to follow them up? Listen to me. Now I love church, clearly, right? I love church. I love listening to good preaching, and I love listening to a message. But honestly, if your experience of Christianity is showing up for one message a week and going home, oh boy, have you missed the plot? Have you missed what this whole thing is about? I I love having great meetings, but after a great meeting, there needs to be something else. There needs to be some kind of follow-up. Really simply, that's why we have small groups. Because if you get into a small group, you know what it means? It means that someone can disciple you. You can ask questions. You can throw things out there. People will walk with you. They'll journey with you. They'll, they'll, they'll help you get through life. You need to get discipled so that you can continue to grow and develop. My son Judah, he brought home this cup. And he brought it home from his school. And in the bottom of the cup, there was... a. Uh, they put some dirt, and they put some seeds in the dirt, and they covered it over. And he brings it to me. Uh, this is just the, like within the last week. And he shows me in the cup this tiny little green sprout. And I looked at that, and I said, oh, that's cool. I said, well, you guys, uh, uh, have you been growing stuff, you know, at, at school this week? Did you, did you get that this week? He said, no, we got this in March. I said, you got it in March? I said, that's a pretty average growth for a plant, It's like this big. He says, well, actually, Dad, it didn't even start growing till last week. I said, well, what did you do that was different? He said, I decided to add water to it. I said, yeah, well, that will help. (laughs) And you know, here is this seed with all the potential to grow into something significant lying dormant in the dirt. And it's not until the water is poured in on it that it begins to shift and change and something sprouts and something grows. And when you begin to get discipled by somebody, that's exactly what happens to you. And the seeds of things that have been planted in your heart and the seeds that have been planted in your life, as someone begins to pour themselves into your life and nurture, your gifts and nurture, your talents and nurture, your abilities, it's like something breaks to the surface and you start to grow. Were those things always there? Yeah, probably, but it wasn't until you began to get discipled that those things began to emerge. And this is what Jesus did. Instead of walking past these 12 guys that we see in hindsight saying they were apostles to Jesus when He found them, just normal, everyday, ordinary people until jesus discipled them and then they became something else he saw their potential and he developed it well i want to tell you something if you're new to church that's what the church does we find people in their raw state and we begin to disciple them and we say we see great things in you we see your abilities we see your talents We see what you're capable of and we're gonna pour ourselves into you as much as you're willing to let us in order to develop you, to train you, to disciple you so that whatever is in you can begin to sprout and come forth. And God can use you in a mighty way. And sometimes you look at yourself and you're like, well, there ain't much here. Well, guess what? I bet you Peter said the same thing. Well, there ain't much here. And yet Jesus gets a hold of him and guess what happens? He preaches some of the greatest messages you're ever gonna know. 3,000 people get added on His very first preaching attempt. You know, step one to following Jesus or being a disciple of Jesus is to follow Him. But did you know that there's something else that's supposed to happen? Step two to being Jesus' disciple is to make disciples. Do you know that the Great Commission is not about following Jesus? If you think you're participating in the Great Commission by coming to church every week and sitting in a seat and listening to a message and leaving and thinking, I got it, you've missed it. Because actually it's not about attending a meeting. The Great Commission wasn't about attending meetings and the Great Commission wasn't even about just following Jesus. The Great Commission was about making disciples. It was about training people. It was about developing them. And I know that this is, But step two, if you want to be Jesus' disciple and you've only done step one, which is you're a follower of Him, I'm excited for you. I'm happy. I'm thrilled. Let's celebrate that. Okay. you got to know there's something more for you. That beyond this point, there is a next step. And it's when you begin to invest into other people, instead of coming and attending and leaving and thinking that you're part of the whole big picture when in fact, you're probably being underutilized. And if you feel intimidated about the idea of discipling people, guess what? To disciple means to train. I think that you're capable of training people. You can train people in business. You can train people in life. You can train people in ministry. You can train people to use their spiritual gifts. I mean, there is so much that you can invest and begin to pour out into other people. And yes, it it takes time and it takes energy. You still gotta do it. I'll tell you the truth about my life. I am so busy and I know something about you. You're busy too. Everyone's busy, we're all busy, but you gotta make time for this. I'll tell you what happened to me this week. I was so busy and I like to get to the gym if I can, I was, but I'm so busy this week that I wasn't able to make it to the gym. So I called up a buddy of mine and I said, hey man, I said, I'm not able to make it to, this gym, to the gym this week, to, so I can't meet you and work out. He says, "You're yeah, all right. I said, all right, would you work out for me? He said, Pastor Ben, I, I think the world of you. So yes, I will work out for you. I said, thank you so much. Would you work out for me? I said, listen, I'm trying to get fit and I'd like to lose a little bit of weight. I'm still trying to get that six pack happening. So could you just run a couple of Ks for me? Do an extra five Ks just for me." He said, yes, I will run an extra five Ks for you. I said, that's so cool. By the way, I'm trying to work on my pecs right now. So if you could just do some very heavy bench press, I would really appreciate it. My traps are a little underdeveloped and I'm looking for the right proportion. So if you could just work on my traps, would you work out for me? And he says, yes, I will work out for you. And as I say this, you literally sit there and you say, Some of you are like, I've been in church for a long time and this is literally the stupidest thing I have ever, ever heard in church. And I would agree with you. How stupid would it be for me to get somebody to work out and to train on behalf of me? I can't get anyone to do that. That's something that I need to do. If I wanna see development in my own life, that's something that I need to do. I don't get to delegate my personal fitness to anyone else. And the one discipline that you can't delegate if you wanna be a follower of Jesus is discipleship. So you don't get to come here if you wanna be a follower and, and, and walk away and spend your entire life just watching other people develop and think that they're doing it for you You don't get to do that because you need to know something, that Jesus isn't gonna ask you about a lot in life, but He is gonna ask you about this. Do you know why? Because it's the one thing He's asked you to do. In a room this size, we've got people sitting everywhere tonight and you say, I don't know what I'm called to do. I know what you're called to do. You're called to make disciples. And even if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't know what my unique gifting and calling is, All right, fine, figure that out. By the way, you're supposed to make disciples. And the reason why this is so important is you gotta know one day Jesus is gonna come and He's gonna ask you about it. And so in preparation for that day when He says, all right, well, you were busy. I mean, I lost my kids walking 12 feet down a hall. You've got the rest of your life ahead of you with so many opportunities to get distracted. And Jesus is gonna come to you and He's not gonna ask you about a lot of the things that actually distracted you, but He is gonna ask you about this one thing. Did you make disciples? Because that's the one thing. If you're a Jesus follower, that's the one thing that you don't get to delegate to anyone else. Rick Warren says, the greatest use of your life is to invest it for that which will outlast it. Do you know how you develop something that outlasts your life? You pass. It on. And if you're a Christian, you've got to know something right now. Jesus is asking you to pass on what's been invested into you into the life of someone else so that this thing called a relationship with Jesus, this thing called the church, this thing called a community of the and the followers of Jesus will live on another generation, will live on another day, and it won't finish and it won't end because you said. I will develop someone else. I will disciple. I will take what's been poured into me and I will now pour it into someone else. My son plays OzKick, plays footy. And about six weeks ago, we had the Collingwood Football Club. They sent a couple of players down to help train the kids. You know, and they're teaching them how to kick and all the rest of it. And, you know, all the parents are there. People show up for that. and right after they are teaching how to kick, they split up into two lines. And it's just kick to kick. And so Judah, my son, he comes and grabs me and he says, Dad, come on, let's go over here. Let's, let's, let's kick uh, next to these guys. We got Travis Farco, and we got Jordan Dugowie and they're standing right here. And Judah says, Dad, you stand next to the AFL footballers and you kick the football. Do you know what is going through my mind? do you know what it's like to do something that a professional does and you have to do it right next to them? I I said to Judah, well, come on, let's give these guys some room. Let's just probably better if we just move down here. He's like, no, dad, let's kick right next to the guys that do this professionally. I said, all right. So here I am. I'm like, you know what? I've done this a million times. Just kick straight. Just kick straight. Just kick straight. You know why I'm thinking that? Because I'm comparing myself to the experts. I'm comparing myself to the professionals. But to be a disciple maker, you don't need to compare yourself to anyone. You don't need to compare yourself to the apostles. You don't need to compare yourself to amazing preachers or pastors or people that you've known in the past, or even to the person that poured out and discipled into you. You don't need to compare yourself to anyone. Do you know what I need to help my son? I only need to be a- ahead of where he is. And provide I'm ahead of where he is, I can help Him. And if you're a Jesus follower and you love Jesus and you're ahead of where someone's at, you can help them. You can train them. You can begin to pour into their life. You don't have to be an expert. But the one thing that you do have to do, the first thing is that you need to follow Jesus. That was step one. If you're not following Jesus, please don't disciple anyone. You're not helping. But if you're a Jesus follower, you can help. The first thing that you gotta do is you gotta be a Jesus follower. But the next thing that you need to do is you need to be present. You need to be there. You need to be available. People need to be able to see you. You need to, listen, you need to set the bar high enough that someone might actually aspire to be like you. That's why they say, could you help me? What does that look like to you? I don't know. Maybe it just looks like in this day and age, just showing up to church regularly, Set the bar high enough so someone says, I love how you do life. I love how you interpret the scriptures. I love how you do it. Would you train me to think like you? Would you train me to be like you? You got to be present. You got to be approachable. You can have all the wisdom in the world, but if you are grumpy all of the time, no one wants to learn anything from you. I don't care how smart you are. You got to be approachable. You got to be hospitable. You got to be present. You got to have an open heart. You got to be willing to invest because it doesn't matter who you are, if you don't nail this stuff, no one's going to come to you and say, would you please pour into my life? They probably think, I don't want to end up like that guy. But that's what you got to do. And the reason, (laughs) come on, the reason why you got to do this, is it not obvious? Is it not obvious why you should spend your life in this way? Is it not obvious why you should pour your heart and your life and your energy and make time and block out space for people in your life? Is it not obvious why you should do this? Is it not obvious that Jesus loves people so much that He would send you in to, to fill that gap, to mentor someone, to disciple someone, to step in the gap? Is it not obvious? Is it not obvious that we live in a world where we, people need to hear the Gospel message? And if you ask me, when the disciples was, were given the Great Commission, as far as I'm concerned, and you can argue about this, but I think it implies sharing your faith with someone who doesn't know Jesus because that is the only way that group of 12 was ever gonna expand. So if you wanna do it the way that the apostles do it, I guess you gotta start by sharing your faith and investing and pouring out because I literally believe this with all of my heart, that this Gospel message is the greatest message the world could ever hear. And I've heard a lot of messages in my life, but this one is the best, but none. God, the amazing, the incredible, the life-giving, Jesus sent from heaven to earth, not in order for the earth to be condemned, but in order that the earth the world that people would be saved by Him. God was so willing to to have this message carried out that He sent His only Son to die to bring you this message. He died to bring you this message. This is how important God thought it was. And then He took that amazing, redemptive, grace-filled, loving Gospel message and He places it in the hands of His followers and say, can you just pass this on to someone else? Because the truth is, This is a message that the world needs to hear and they need to hear it and the way they're going to hear it is through you. Would you stand to your feet? We trust you enjoyed this week's message. For any more information about Activate Church, check out our website www.activatechurch.com or download our app online and have a great week.